You are Locked hey, On Bama, your daily podcast on the Alabama Crimson Tide, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. First of all, I want to thank everybody for making Locked On Bama the first place you listen when it comes to Bama podcast or any podcast or do anything, even if it's your spouse or your children. You listen to us first, and we appreciate that. Um, Jimmy, yeah, you know, okay, I didn't get to watch this game as thoroughly as I normally do. I want to put that disclaimer out there, and we're doing this at uh, 10.30 on Sunday morning, your time. I'm in Ohio right now, so 11.30. I I came up here and saw my three children, and um, we were in a sports bar watching the game. Um, Yes, I said bar, and yes, I said children. Uh, But after the way Tennessee fans acted last night, I feel like I'm not the worst father in the world. But – so, so uh, you know, I thought. Okay, let, let's let's talk about positive first. I, um, Will Anderson is inhuman, and I, I don't mean like he's he's a really good football player. I mean he's literally an inhuman from Marvel Comics. He has he has soaked in the Terrigen gas. For those of you who know what that is, and um, he has become some type of freakish mutant whose uh, abilities include destroying other people's offensive linemen and quarterbacks. He is amazing. He's the best player in college football. I don't think that's even up for debate at this point. Um, He's, he's absolutely amazing and we are lucky to have him. And all I can hope at this point is that Will Anderson, which I don't think he will pulls a Jamar chase and opts out for next year because if he stays at Alabama one more year, I'm not going to be able to contain, uh, uh, contain my giddiness. Yeah, I think he loves playing football too much uh, to do something like that, uh, even though it might be wise and it might be in his his fiscal best interest. <laughs> yeah, I think he just loves playing football. And, you know, it's crazy to say this, but I think when you pair his performance last night with this press conference on Monday and the things he had to say about the loss at Texas A&M, you can almost feel like, I mean, physically he did enough. I mean, physically he just went out there, won the game with his four sacks and constant harassment of Will Rogers for the whole 60 minutes. But it's, it's more like he willed us to win the game. Like Will wasn't going to accept anything other than dominating Mississippi State uh, from himself or from his teammates. Uh, I, I think he proved last night that in addition to uh, – being the best Alabama defensive football player since Derek Thomas. He's also an outstanding leader. And uh, I went to school with Derek. I, I was in school at the time. Derek was at Alabama the whole time, well, almost the whole time. And, uh, and, and really, I can tell you, as, as great as a, a person as Derek was and as great of a story as Derek was, Derek wasn't the leader of that defense. He, he wasn't he, – I mean, he led by what he did on the field in terms of – you know, he was just so productive. The team was going to be successful because of that. But uh, I don't think he was a locker room speech guy. I don't think he was a give me the mic so I can talk to my team through the media guy. Uh, Will Will is Derek plus in that sense. So, uh, wow. I mean, wow. He, he I, I don't know where he ranks in college football. I, I just I just know I'm glad he plays for our team. He's got a better get off than Jenna Jameson. I hope people get that. That's kind of that's pretty good. Um, I just thought of that. Um, 
Man, you anyway, kind of went back in the Wayback Machine for that, but that's still really good. I could have used, um, what's the one, Leanne, uh, what's her name? Just Leanne, isn't it? Lisa Ann, Lisa Ann. I could have used Lisa Ann, but I don't, I think that's too, uh, <laughs> um, anywho, <laughs> or maybe there is a that Leanne. Was so, that was so current, it's scary. But okay. I know, maybe, <laughs> maybe there is a Leanne who also has one. I don't know. Regardless. Um, it's a big world out there. It is a big world. Um, Will Anderson, he's just amazing. I mean, it, it was wonderful to see uh, the the announcers gushing over him too, because you and I have been lauding this man with praise for quite some time. And it's not like that makes us these incredibly observant guys. It makes us regular Alabama fans to know that. But we have, I think you and I have appreciated him more than even the average or even above average Alabama fan for the most part. And now to see, uh, I mean, he got the helmet sticker in the uh, college game day final, whatever. Um, and he's going to get SEC Player of the Week uh, defensively. He's going to get National Player of the Week defensively. And if he doesn't, then somebody needs to do an investigation more thoroughly than the investigation that needs to go into SEC review officials because they are the worst. Um, but anyway, I just I wanted to start out with Will Anderson, and and then I want to I'm going to sandwich in this second segment with some stuff that you know. I'm I'm still not super comfortable, Jimmy, and maybe I'm just too hard to please in this Saban era, but I'll talk about that here in one second. Right now, I want to tell you about Prize Picks. Prize Picks is a leader in college sports daily fantasy. It offers more college football props than anyone in the world and offers all the star players of the Power Five as well as mid-major players you might not have even heard of. Prize Picks offers any prop you can think of from yardage to touchdowns, even interceptions thrown. All of your users that, or, and I mean our users, that deposit and use our promo code will receive a 100% deposit match up to $100. Just be sure to use promo code Locked On. Taking Will Anderson um, over three sacks, and you, you could have done really well with prize picks. It's just daily fantasy stuff. Um, you pick two to five players and an over-under on their projections, and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. And it's just you versus the projected numbers. Prize picks allows mixed sport entries. You can take the over on LeBron James combined with the under on Mahomes uh, passing in the same entry. So whatever you want to do, it's an award-winning app. Go check them out, prizepicks.com or their award-winning app. As I mentioned, I'm telling you, you will love this site. It's so much fun. Then I want to tell you about Built Bar. Built Bar, they are awesome. I had one for breakfast today, even on vacay. It's not really vacay when you come up here and you, you're always flying and moving around, but it doesn't matter. I had a Built Bar because it sustains me. It gives life to me. It is my lifeblood. Built Bar. They have become that important to me. Built.com is where you go to get these delicious, nutritious, candy-esque uh, bars that it's like eating a three musketeers that doesn't make you fat i don't that should be their tagline hey we're three musketeers that won't fatten you up we won't chunk you up we will actually help you maintain or lose weight good for a keto or a keto diet as jimmy will tell you built.com is where you go to get these bars use a promo code locked on get that discount built bar i'm telling you you'll love them go check them out built.com for these delicious nutritious built bars all right jimmy i maybe i'm the world's Toughest Alabama critic right now. Um, I still saw a lot of room for improvement. I'm going to sure. temper all that by saying, and one of our friends that we share a text chain with put it best. And once he said this, I realized, okay, that makes a lot of sense. I would have enjoyed this win so much more if I had not watched Georgia first. 
Georgia's push on the defensive line is disgustingly Bama 2011-2016 good. It's 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 fantastic. And we didn't have that last night. What Will Anderson was doing his thing, there's no question. I don't doubt that in the least. And and Byron Young got a sack, and uh, I think Christian Harris had a sack. Uh, uh, I think Toa Toa had a sack. But I'm still going to tell you, Jimmy, I Henry Toa Toa was not the guy we saw at Tennessee yet. He's just not there yet. Um, our defensive line, had, wait, where's the push? Uh, Will Rogers had a lot of time back there, um, despite the fact we had seven sacks. I know it's going to sound stupid when you say, but Luke, we had seven sacks. What the hell are you talking about? The first part of that game when the game was was still you know getting started and in doubt will rogers had time um he made some bad choices he threw some picks the pick six certainly didn't help him the the pass to the interception by josh job was essentially right to him um I, I just i'm concerned about that for the future i should be focusing a lot more on the positive especially considering this is the biggest uh win and most points we've scored after a loss in the saban era but uh, you know, I, I can't help but get you know be have my head involved with that because I look at Georgia and go, okay, there's nobody else in the country I don't think we can beat. I mean, that I don't think we should beat, that we would beat. But when I look at Georgia, I'm like, see, the problem now is we've got to beat Georgia to get in the playoffs. We do not get in the playoffs unless we beat Georgia in the SEC title game. So. That loss to Texas A&M is much worse than I thought now because Georgia looks really, really good. Things can change between now and December 4th, but it just worries me. Well, a lot of that is, is certainly correct, is particularly in the praise for Georgia and their front seven and, and, and their defensive line, which is among the best I've ever seen uh, watching college football. They are that good. But, uh, you know, Alabama didn't play Georgia last night. They played – a good Mississippi State team, a team that had beaten Texas A&M and North Carolina State. And, and and after, you know, I wouldn't say the first quarter was our best moments, but after the first quarter, we, we thoroughly dominated Mississippi State. And I think what, what Alabama has to do is improve. Last night, I felt like they took a big step forward. I felt like they came together as a team better than at any point uh, all year. Uh, you know, I, I, one of my themes of this week was we're not going to find out if we're a championship team in Starkville, but we're going to find out if we want to be. And I think we did. I, I, I think I think we saw a team that wanted to win championships, a team that wanted to be good, a team that wanted to play with and for each other. Uh, th- those things are were all good. Now, can this Alabama team are they capable of beating Georgia? You know, right right now, I would either say we don't know the answer to that or no, <laughs> but what we still have is several weeks to improve. And as great as Georgia is on that defensive line, as great as they are in the front seven, I wouldn't say that they're in, invincible or unbeatable. I, I don't think their offense is awesome. I think it's good. I think it's better than the critics say it is, uh, but it's not – they're not Alabama 2020 on offense at all. And in terms of what will give me hope if we ever get to that game is uh, I think our defense could play well enough to keep the score manageable. And if the score's manageable, maybe we can make something happen. Uh, but, but we'll see. I mean, we're so many weeks in that game. I'll tell you, based on how we've played this season, not last night, 
But based on how we played this season, uh, let's beat Tennessee. Let's beat LSU. Let's beat Arkansas and let's beat Auburn. Uh, I'm not. I'm not going to. I'm not going to wallow in fear of the Georgia game until we qualify to play in that game because I'm not 100% positive we are. The Auburn game in particular at the end is looking more daunting because as usual, and I've done this pretty much consistently every year since I was 10 years old, I have once again underestimated Auburn. And here they are, a pretty damn good team again, and we got to beat them in their place. And that has not been easy not even for Nicholas Lou Saban. No, and that's right. And I'm not trying to wallow in Georgia. I'm not d- doing a Bama podcast with just effusive Georgia praise. My point is that th- watching the Georgia game didn't allow me to enjoy the Alabama victory as much as I should have, is, is I guess my only point. Yeah. Because <laughs> that, that. that looked like the way we used to look. You know, th- yeah. that's what's funny is Kirby has a team right now that looks like the way a lot of Al- – older Alabama teams did under Saban where we just suffocate yeah. your ass um, defensively. And then you're right. Uh, that, that was the other thing that I thought about was, okay, if Alabama, you know, Alabama, take Alabama, Auburn, and Georgia right now, and those are really the only three teams that I think have a shot to go to the SEC title game. I mean, I guess technically Texas A&M does. Um, but, I mean, you got to think, you know, it's Alabama, it's Georgia, maybe a small gap, Alabama, probably a bigger gap, and then Auburn. Um, but it, it, I look at it this way. If Alabama and Georgia were to play this coming up weekend um, and they were to play that same game in a vacuum 10 times, it wouldn't shock me if Georgia won nine or all 10. If Alabama and Auburn or if Georgia and Auburn played, I would say Georgia would win all 10 and probably none of them very close. If Alabama and Auburn played, I would say Alabama would win six or seven. And I, what I want to try and do is make it – more where it's, you know, Alabama and Georgia five and five and Alabama nine and 10 over Auburn, which is where it should be um, based on everything. And uh, so anyway, that's, that's my point. Now, that probably didn't make a lot of sense. And again, I get sort of uh, hung up on some Auburn stuff because I'm more from that area, but regardless, Jimmy, when we come back, I want to talk about uh, some of the other aspects of this game that were uh, kind of fun. And then, just what a weird day in college football. All right, buddy. Um, Bryce Young, still doing Bryce Young things. Uh, interesting. He had three long touchdown passes, but none of the passes themselves probably covered more than 17, 20 yards, um, and they were turned into big touchdown passes, which we'll, we'll certainly take. Don't get me wrong. Um, I still think we lack the deep ball that we we just did I don't even remember taking a deep shot last night. I mean like a true uh you know 45 50 yards in the air deep shot. Um I want to get back to that. Um James yeah, they, they blitz. They just blitz so much. I mean I think I think they're blitz that I think the frequency of their blitzing sort of took the hey let's sit back in the pocket for 4 seconds and wait for for Mechie to get all the way down the field. I think that just sort of took it out of the playbook and and, and as far as what made Bryce stand out about those touchdown passes, wasn't necessarily the throw itself being a wow throw, but his ability to see the blitz, know where it's coming from by just enough time to deliver the ball to his wide guy left wide open because of the blitz. Uh, I, I would just call him uh, 
let's call them Bryce uh, blitz beaters. I mean, that's really what they were. They're just he he knows where to go with the ball, and uh, as much as Bryce will beat you with his arm and his feet, uh, he'll beat you with his mind too. And and, that, and that's what those touchdowns were. No, I agree with that. Um, the wide receivers I thought all played much better. I thought the overturn of Slade Bolden's catch was an absolute joke. It it, it was less. Hell? It was less what of a hell? joke. It was so stupid. The SEC review officials, all of them, and I don't want to call for people's jobs normally. They should all be fired. They're terrible. The the fumble that was called a non-fumble in the Auburn-Arkansas game is an absolute joke. That That's a fumble all day, every day, no questions asked. Arkansas got hosed again against Auburn. If I was an Arkansas fan, I'd be losing my mind. Um, that Slade-Bolden catch-non-catch was an absolute joke. And, again, I'm going to make this stance again. We need to quit having replay. It is a waste of time. They don't get it right. It, it, we, it's anal- paralysis by analysis when you use it, and it's a, it, it slows down the game. It's brutal. I don't want it anymore. I'd rather just live with officials' mistakes and move on um, because this is atrocious when you can't get things like that right. And we saw it in other games too. The Tennessee game, oddly enough, I – Call me crazy. I thought that that spot was correct, but maybe it was a first down. I, I couldn't tell. I only saw it from a few different angles. I didn't, maybe didn't see it as many from them, but I thought that spot was correct. And then, of course, that led to uh, mayhem. But we'll talk about that in later podcasts. Um, the receivers played a lot better for Alabama this week. You know, Mechie, it's good to see him have a long uh, – and I'm glad, actually, Mechie was forced to catch it and then – take off and and uh, get by some guys and make some moves because maybe that'll get his confidence back. I think he still had seven catches. Uh, he led with, you know, the most catches of the, of the day. Slade Bolden, I uh, thought, played really well. Obviously, Jamison Williams. We didn't give him the ball enough, in my opinion, but uh, Treshawn Holden, there's a dude. There's a dude that's coming on. Okay. And then it should be two things that bother me, though. Um, We didn't target the tight ends very much, and I still thought Jaleel Billingsley's um, body language wasn't great. Uh, and, you know, you feel like such a jackass trying to analyze a young man's uh, body language. But, I mean, it's it's pretty clear, just like when people talk about Bo Nix's body language. It's pretty clear. Um, and you don't really know how to categorize it. You just know it when you see it. And I want to see Billingsley be more authoritative and take over. He's such a good player. He's such a good player. Uh, Latu wasn't targeted very much. And then – Ajay Hall with his tweet after the game saying, you know, that's it. I'm calling it quits. Nobody really knows what it means. He's taken down all his social media stuff. I'm hoping somebody has gotten to him and said, hey, don't do shit like that. Um, But I I hate it for the guy because I do think he's uber talented. John Mechie made a a statement about it saying, hey, you know, it's part of the process. I would tell him it's part of the process, you know, suck it up and move forward and, and get better and, good things will come to you. And Mechie's a good person to say that because he had to go through the growing pains too. But uh, do you know anything about all those topics I just brought up? (laughs) I was happy to see uh, Holden uh, have that big game. You know, we've been wanting another receiver to emerge. You know, he did emerge. I mean, he had a 70-yard SEC game on the road. That means welcome – Welcome to the first team. I mean, I mean, and he's always sort of gotten a handful of first team snaps, and he was with the first team when he when he did the, those things last night. Um, he's he's earned uh, he's earned the right to help us make plays, and I'm talking about from the first play, of the first quarter forward. So 
I, I hope that, that that was enough uh, and that he does enough good things for the things that we don't see. Because as fans, what do we see? We see kids that catch the ball and make a play. Well, the coaches, they see everything, you know, including practice and, and going to class and, and, and playing without the ball and, and, and doing all the little things. That's what the coaches see. Hopefully he's doing those things too because we, we saw as a playmaker uh, it, it, he's helpful uh, to be in the game. Uh, a little weird that we didn't throw the ball to the tight end. I don't know if it was game plan or just the way it worked out, but there was just not a lot of tight end targets. I think Latu had a drop somewhere in there, but uh, I, don't, I don't think we threw a ball to Billingsley. You know, I think the Billingsley and Hall stuff is sort of tied together to me in the sense that it's just so hard to manage 85 personalities. Uh, it, it, you know, each kid needs their own attention, and it's hard to manage all 85. Uh, I probably don't have the patience to do it, which is why I do what I do, and Nick does what he does because um, he, he, he has extraordinary patience for someone that's famously hot-tempered uh, Saban actually has an extraordinary amount of patience, and he's probably, I would assume, working today with some crisis control on keeping a jive focused and working. If he was, <laughs> and but hey, you know, if he doesn't want to waste his time, if he just thinks he's entitled to play with the first team, uh, fine, then go play with someone else's first team. I mean, that's the way I look at it. Um, you know, we we. we you know, Ajay needs Alabama football more than Alabama football needs him. So uh, that's just the way I look at it. Now, Nick Nick has a lot more patience than I do, so I would imagine him and his people are uh, working to sort of rescue that situation and do what they can to help the kid. Um, no, I, I agree the with you. The officiating was horrible, uh, not just the slate call, which – just can't be explained to me based on all of the angles available to ESPN. Yeah, just I, I just can't I just can't fathom how they overturned it. And again, you know, my mantra about the replay is this: it's just morphed over time. They introduced replay to correct clear injustice, something that right. the officials somehow somehow the in- officials on the field inexplicably missed this call can we correct it by by review that that would be great but instead what they do is they substitute their own judgment for the judge and they're like let's watch this from 19 angles to see if we can even see this ball nick the grass that that's that was never what replay's intention was and that's why it's gone all crazy and how the replay officials can be incompetent just boggles my mind, but it wasn't just Alabama. It was all the games that you mentioned. Uh, and, and I agree with you that the, the, the call that set off the Tennessee fans at first blush, I thought it was the wrong call. I thought the kid made the first down live. And then the more they showed the replay, every replay they, they would show, the more and more it looked like the call is justifiable. I'm still not sure. See, that's the thing. I'm still not sure right now. And, there they got it right in the sense that you watch the replay and you're still not sure, then don't overturn it. Whatever the call in the field was, it stands if it's just not clear. And it wasn't clear. It's still not clear to me right now. So I think the Tennessee fans weren't – they were frustrated over, over that call, but it, it wasn't deserved. I think there was an earlier call in the game that I didn't see back in the first quarter. They were still upset about 
and just the very fact that they were going to lose the game. I think for the first time in a while, Tennessee fans had expectations, and welcome back to expectations. They forgot how to handle expectations. They just forgot because it's been, you know, 20 years since they've had any. So now they have expectations. They thought they were going to win the game. They thought they were going to win the game. And when they didn't, they lost their shit. And I was mad. I mean, and I don't get mad. I was mad watching that. I was mad that the referees either chose not to or didn't have the authority to wave off the end of the game because that's exactly what should have happened. Because all we hear from the SEC about concussion protocol and all their other rules is about how player safety this and player safety that, and they toss Malachi Moore out of a game last week over player safety issues. And then, and then, then this is the same league that in the Tennessee game says, yeah, we don't care that the fans are raining dangerous objects at the participants. You've got to play the game. Yeah, that's a good point. The 20-minute the delay did nothing but help Tennessee. Tennessee was helped by what went on from their fans on the field, and they almost came back and won the game that should never have been played. They had to remove their own band from the stands. The cheerleaders, they were throwing stuff at cheerleaders that had to be removed from the field. And you just said, but the game must go on? What the hell? And and they're talking about, how well, boy, they got a big fine coming. What does that mean? These schools, you know, they're going to fire Orgeron at LSU and pay him $19 million. You think they care if they get fined $100,000? That means nothing. What should have happened to protect Ole Miss's players from throwing stuff from the field as they should have said, there's 55 seconds. We can't play under these conditions. The game is canceled. Just like if the weather was bad. You know what happens when hail comes down out of the sky? They, they get the players off the field. They don't play the game. You can't play in hail. But for some reason, apparently, you can, you can play in a hail of liquor bottles. That's, it, I'll never want to hear the SEC talk about player safety again, ever. No, I, I'm with you. That, that is so bothersome um, because you're, you're absolutely right. I didn't think of it that way. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, you know, and that here's the other thing. You're right about the money. See, you can find Tennessee $500,000, and they got it. I mean, now, I mean, Tennessee ain't as rich as some of the other schools, but they got it. The SEC's bloated. So um, what would have sent a better statement? Say, you're right, we can't play under these conditions. Because of the um, unruliness of your fandom, this game is now done, and Ole Miss is the winner, and that's just that. And, yes, you you did screw up your chance to make a comeback. You still had three timeouts. Y'all screwed that up, and I'm really sorry you did because it was a great game. But you deserve this black eye. And that's the way you fix things like this. You don't, you can't fix this with money. I mean, unless you want to find Tennessee $2 million or $5 million, it's not going to really make a dent. They just find what A&M $100,000. People that go to A&M use $100,000 to bathe in. They use that seriously to start uh, their chimneys. So yeah, it's, it's not a big deal. You've got to, they're going to have to find the shit out of them. And in fact, I would be all for some other type of punishment, literally anything to uh, I don't know what you can do. I mean, I'd have to spend some time thinking about this because frankly, you know, what's funny, Jimmy, I went, I was watching the game on my computer because I'm in Ohio. They don't have SEC network in this hotel. So I had it on my computer 
And I was trying so hard to stay awake. I did the scoreboard show till midnight on Friday, got up, drove to Atlanta, flew to Columbus, went to my daughter's soccer game, watched the Bama game. You know, I'm, I'm worn out and I'm trying to stay up to watch the game. And I fell asleep with probably about six minutes to go. And then I woke up and I was like, man, it's got to be, you know, midnight or, you know, one o'clock in the morning. And it was, it was later, but like, and it was like 50, an hour later or something. And, um, there were still 43 seconds left in the game. I was like, what? The, I mean, I was sort of out of it. I was like, what the hell? How's this? Am I must be watching the replay. And then I fell back asleep and I, I didn't know about all this brouhaha kerfuffle, if you will, until uh, the next morning. So yeah, just uh, what a horrible look. And the SEC has to do something about this. I'll, I think the SEC has to address the poor performances of their replay officials and they have to address this thing at Tennessee. Get a handle on this before it gets worse. Because here's the thing. I've been to some Tennessee message boards to see what's going on. And the majority of the fans are not saying I'm disgusted. Some of them are to their credit. But most of them are saying, yeah, well, this wouldn't have happened if our officials didn't suck. Look, this yep. is this is not the appropriate response, people. And they're, they're cheerleaders out there getting pelted with stuff. And they have no pads on. you know, And they don't work out every day. They're female cheerleaders out there that were literally using their cardboard signs to protect their heads as they were leaving. But, you know, look, that's that's Tennessee stuff we can talk about later. Um, in the end, how about my boy Brian Robinson? No relation to me, unfortunately for me. Um, and he is uh, he's kicking butt, and he had a nice reception for a big, long touchdown. He, Jimmy, he's going to be bucking for first-team All-SEC honors. He's not an All-American. He's going to be bucking for first-team All-SEC honors by the time this thing is done if he keeps going. I thought Roydale Williams had a very nice El Tractor Cedo Part 2-type run where he just bulldozed a dude. Um, Really getting better with the running back situation. And Trey Sanders actually made an appearance. I mean, that's that's a positive thing. Seven yards a carry for Roydale and Trey combined. So Roydale and Trey – come in and get the, the second team type carries and uh, average seven yards a carry. Uh, that's exactly what you want to see. You, you want to see Rordell and Trey playing well enough to where we have more confidence in using them and we can give Brian a break. Cause I really thought in the fourth quarter, Brian looked gassed. I mean, I, I thought he, yeah. and it, boy, he, you know, this, and this is a new workload for him. I mean, this isn't something that he's used to. It's a new workload and, he looked gassed, so it was very helpful, I think, that we had Roy Dell and, and, and Trey looking pretty good, especially Roy Dell, uh, offensive line better. And, hey, uh, a guy that, look, the fans, including us, have killed Chris Owens all season. I mean, he is – that poor kid, is, he gets it worse than Golding. I mean, and uh, he played well last night. He, he had some highlight blocks, and we ran around the right side, and it looked like we sort of, sort of got behind him a few times. And – uh I thought I thought he 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 was a standout, and it's not easy to stand out on the offensive line, but he did. Um, also, a big shout out to Jordan Battle. Uh, he had an, he had a nice truck move, I think, over the quarterback, Will Rogers, on his pick yeah. six, and then also had another interception. And he could have taken that one. I thought he was going to take it back all the way, uh, like Minka Fitzpatrick against Arkansas a few years ago. That would have been something special, and it would have covered the over, which would have helped yours truly. But whatever. Um, so, uh, Jimmy, that's going to do it for this episode. Again, great, nice win by Alabama. Um, we've got a Tennessee team that we have no idea what we're going to be facing coming in on Saturday night. And then 
three, in three weeks or a little less than three weeks, we've got an LSU team that we literally have no idea what the hell we're going to be facing. The SEC is so topsy-turvy right now um, outside of Georgia, who is the, um, you know, they're, they're the gold standard at the moment. I hate to say it, but everything else is weird in the SEC right now. Yep. Uh, you can be the third – you can be the third best team in the SEC or the 13th worst team in the SEC week to week right now. That's a fact. All right, buddy. That'll do it for this episode. We'll catch you guys tomorrow. Until then, roll tide. Roll tide.